Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape presented to you in partnership with SB Nation's Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation. He is Brandon Lee Gotten of BGN. I am RJ Ochoa of BTB. BLG, how goes it? RJ, less than two months away until we see the Eagles and Cowboys play their week one games on September 12th. So how about that? That's actually wrong because the Cowboys play their week one game on September 9th. Way to mess that up. Totally forgot about it. Not mm-hmm. a really not really a relevant team, so they kind of slip my mind sometimes. Um, before we get into today's NFC's mixtape action, by the way, it is volume 13 of the mixtape. For those of you that haven't, make sure to go subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, Blogging the Boys, Bleeding Green Nation, whichever podcast feed, uh, however you get your podcast, Apple devices, Spotify, whatever. Leave a rating and write a review. You can write whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can be as kind or as mean as you want to, as long as it's five stars. That's all we really ask for, BLG. Yeah, on both feeds. So both on the Blogging the Boys podcast feed and the Weeding Green Name podcast feed. Two different right. feeds you can leave ratings and reviews on. That's what makes this show unique. Last week, we talked about the most painful losses that the Cowboys and Eagles have experienced over the course of the last decade to each of their division rivals. This week, we're doing the inverse, which are the most epic victories. Uh, but before we get there, BLG, I wanted to ask you, did you make your bed this morning? No, not a bed maker guy. Hmm, well, you would not be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Uh, according to a tweet from Rod Beard, uh, Detroit Pistons, uh, you know, all head of everything, Dwayne Casey said in their interviews with draft prospects, they are asking prospects if they make their beds in the morning because it apparently can indicate whether they set the tone for their day and how organized they are. I'm sure as somebody who covers Nick Sirianni, you appreciate this BLG. Uh, yeah, I don't believe in that. I, a lot of people are like, oh, you have to make your bed or else you can't do it. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I have I have a lot of things to do and not a lot of time. I'm being more efficient with my time by not doing something that I don't need to do. So mm. I don't make my bed. I make my bed or our bed. Uh, my wife and I's bed. Every, see, that's the thing. Like, I also lift as a husband. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm the one who makes the bed. Respect to me. Um, you know, just stating facts here. Like, I'm not fishing for compliments, but. Really, I'm pretty amazing at this. Uh, I've always made my bed, though, like from the time I was like five years old. So I think it's really weird that you don't. But, you know, hey, to each their own. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope you enjoy your wrinkled covers at night when you get into it. Yeah, I do. It's great. Okay. Um, so uh, epic victories. And before we start, BLG, I do want to say I kind of had a hard time or at least a harder time than I thought I was going to in choosing these. Um, do you feel the same? Uh, I mean, it's probably for you, I'm guessing, because the Cowboys haven't had many uh, very meaningful wins in that time. I'm guessing that's what you're trying to say. Uh, mine were really easy, actually. I just thought it, I mean, there were there were definitely some, and obviously I, I wound up picking some, but it just felt like there was, to your point, like the Cowboys haven't won the Super Bowl or anything. It's not like any of these victories for the Eagles were the Super Bowl, but I mean, it just like, it 
I don't know. It's kind of like you're. Have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother? I have. Yes. You know the episode where Marshall's like in search of the perfect burger, and and like the the philosophical discussion is like you will never enjoy a burger the same way you did that very first time. That's kind of how this felt to me. Like I I remember really being emotional after some of these wins, but like looking at them now, I don't feel the same emotions. Maybe that's what I'm dealing with. The aging thing is definitely like a factor that came into play like last week when I was talking about that Giants loss or the, mm-hmm. the, the Eagles lost to the Giants um, early in the season. Like some things age differently. Um, there's a pick on my list in here that maybe uh, in the scope of that season wasn't like the best thing. But in on that particular day, it was extremely meaningful. And I remember exactly how I felt. And that's why I picked it. But uh, we'll save that for later in the podcast. Well, where do you want to start? I'll let you go well, first. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing we did last week. I'm gonna go Giants first. Okay. Um, and for me, I already talked about this last week. Like I spoiled this one already, so it's a good place right. to start because it's it's it, this is so very obviously the pick. Like, I don't think any Eagles fan can argue this isn't the pick. It is the Eagles' Week Three win in 2017, where they won by a score of 27 to 24, thanks to a Jake Elliott 61 yard field goal game winner. Uh, an underrated part for that, RJ, to me, and maybe this doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but I love how in that very game, Odell Beckham, who was still in the Giants at the time, uh, was taunting the Eagles in that game. He actually got fined for one of his celebrations. Uh, but, like, he had to watch that ball go right over his head because he was back if there was a possible return, you know, which makes sense. They do that on long field goals, uh, you know, for, the, for if the just the very small chance they can actually return that field goal for a touchdown or something. But he had to, like, watch it go right over his head. And that just feels, like, especially devastating to me. So I like that. It was really the win that started to make the Eagles 2017 season feel special. I mean, they were one and one at that point. So if they go to overtime and they lose that game, then, you know, they're one and two all of a sudden. And who knows how that season goes? Maybe it's still really great. I don't know. But uh, really big game, kind of an underrated Carson Wentz moment, too. I know you love Carson Wentz, RJ, but uh, like people talk about how he wasn't clutch for a long time. But I mean, he had a really big completion to Alshon Jeffrey that actually set up that 61 yard attempt. So, uh, and also just the Jake Elliott factor of it all. Like, this is a guy who was a rookie and he was on the Bengals practice squad like only a week or two before after Caleb Sturgis got hurt and the Eagles had to like sign a new kicker. So crazy that like this isn't even like one of the best kickers. This isn't like Justin Tucker making that kick. This is or, like a guy. Or David Akers even. Or yeah, this or yeah, some like guy who had been with the franchise for forever. Like this is some no one knows who this guy is, and he's making like this huge kick, the longest uh field goal in Eagles history. Mm. I I don't think that you thought this was going to be my reaction. I actually really like this pick on your behalf. And I know you kind of spoiled it last week, but I like this. And I've said many a time that every Eagles fan should rub it in every Cowboys fan's face forever that the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, because that's the whole point, right? And when you win a Super Bowl or you have a magical season or something like that, I mean, there are certain wins that are just more magical and certain wins that feel like you stole them. And those are the those are the days like I, I would assume you remember that day more vividly than you do other wins from that season from the Eagles. Just because like when you're flirting with it and like you look back on it and I don't know off the top of my head now that I think about it, what the difference was Bear might know uh, between the Eagles being the one seed and not. But like that made a difference. Like it really went a long way. Well, remember that point later because we're going to revisit that that uh, theme. But um, also, some other things I want to mention from that win: you had Kamugur J Hill and Michael Kendricks carrying Jake Elliott again, who had like just been on the team. Like, do these players even really know that much about him? Like, do they even know his name? Really? Like, these are defensive; these are linebackers. They don't need to know the kicker necessarily, but they were carrying him off the field. And again, in week three, and it's just like when the players took the field that day, 
and like Jake Elliott took the field. Like there's no one or any everyone who's entering that stadium, no one saw that coming. Where like players would be carrying Jake Elliott into the locker room. So just that kind of makes sports special. Like that's just like that kind of the unknown of it all. That's why we watch because like things happen that we don't expect and it's really fun. So uh, I think about all of that. I wanted to include in here as I wrap up on the Giants, RJ, the Eagles. Uh, as an honorable mention, the Eagles 27-0 to shutout performance against the Giants after Giants players had stomped on the Eagles logo in the pregame. Uh, so that was really good. And sh- shutouts are just so rare, or at least they have been for the Eagles. So like to see a shutout, and I was there for in person for that one, that was really special. Um, I always remember that. And then just going along these lines, like I've talked about at, at length how the Eagles have dominated the Giants. The Eagles have dominated the Giants so much, RJ, to put this in perspective, that the Eagles – couple of seasons ago actually took the all-time lead in the series which they had never held at any mm. point since it began in like 1933 so that's really like embarrassing i feel like if you're the giants yeah that's the eli manning era in a nutshell right it's like an incredible lead on so much as an nfl blue blood squandered um you know but just happened to win two super bowls in the process of it all um uh, to kind of like hype up a career of mediocrity but it is what it is uh excellent choice blg and a nice honorable mention i actually have a, an honorable mention for the giants as well so look at that we're in lockstep already uh i'll give you my honorable mention first because it comes to us via twitter.com i actually cheated blg um i i had you know a thought in mind for all these mm. games but i was like let me get some people to jog my mind uh so i tweeted asking for some help diego on twitter at diego b phillips says in my recent memory best win was i believe 2018 last game of the season against the giants when Dak rolled out and threw a last-minute 40-yard bomb off his back foot to Cole Beasley, who made an even more amazing catch. That is an honorable mention, but I cannot make it num- like my choice because it was a meaningless game. The Cowboys yeah. had already won the division, were the four seed. Uh, it was a great moment, um, but yeah, I mean, just just a really nice game, nice moment for Dak and whatnot. But th- I think that was the moment where, like. I firmly believed, okay, this dude is an elite quarterback, so it deserved a shout-out on its own. Uh, My actual choice doesn't include Dak Prescott. Uh, It does include Odell Beckham Jr. People love BLG, as you know, to talk about the incredible catch he made on Mm -hmm. Sunday Night Football. Uh, Chris Collinsworth lost his mind. People forget that the Giants lost that game. And they lost that game because Tony Romo found Des Bryant in the back of the end zone late on an incredible fourth quarter drive. Uh, it was a really, really magical time for the Cowboys. Like we talk about, there are certain seasons that you just remember a little bit more. That 2014 year, uh, obviously later in Tony Romo's career, was just so special. The Cowboys were coming off of their bye week, having played the Jaguars in London uh, two weeks before this particular game. They won and improved to 8-3. and three. The final score, 31-28. to 28. This was also like peak Dez. Uh, the touchdown came with a minute and one seconds left. And so it was just really nice to kind of put an end to that, you know, Odell moment, Odell night, whatever. But Romo ended the night 18-26, 18 of 26, excuse me, for 275 yards, four touchdowns. Dez Bryant in all his glory, seven catches, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. Cole Beasley did have a score himself. So, you know, Cole Beasley's made a nice career against the Giants. This is a very you pick in the sense of like, remember this amazing moment that happened in the game? Well, it didn't mean anything because the, that team lost. Yeah, it didn't. Um, That's so, And it's so dumb that people like hype that up like it was this great thing, but they've lost and they lost to the Cowboys. So that should be said a lot. By the way, it feels like like forever ago, not just four years ago or whatever it was since Odo Beckham was in the division. I don't know about you, but like talking about him now, like this feels like centuries ago it feels so so long ago because i used to get annoyed by the obj hype too where it'd be all the oh look at all the catches he's making in pregame as the giants are like going what like 
four and 12 or it's like who cares like this isn't amounting to anything like this is such a waste of time um i mean obviously incredible talent incredible player but just like it got too much hype what did the cowboys what season was this what did they finish this was 2014 they finished 12 and 4 and this actually um led to a bit of a change i know that you uh, maybe not you specifically, definitely you specifically, uh, but certainly Howie Roseman in all his glory and the Philadelphia Eagles organization have a problem with the Cowboys hosting Thanksgiving every year. Mm. Um, this game was the Sunday before Thanksgiving and it was Sunday night football and it was on the road in New York. So Cowboys were obviously really tired, didn't get a lot of practice time, and they did get waxed on Thanksgiving by Mark Sanchez's Philadelphia Eagles. Um, They would go on to obviously get back at them two weeks later, which was awesome and epic. Uh, But since then, the Cowboys have not been scheduled on Sunday Night Football the week before Thanksgiving because they made a big old stink about how, you know, bad of a scheduling sort of resulted ended up being for them and their rest and all that stuff. Yeah, the one Cowboys scheduling disadvantage that they've had to deal with. What a crime. That was really bad, in fairness, I will say. I I will admit that, especially because they had to travel, too. It wasn't even like a home game, and then they get to play at home again. But uh, that is a fair gripe in that case. But uh, it's just kind of rich to me coming from the team that gets a built-in advantage every year that other teams don't get. So that's cool. Uh, shout out to Tony Romo. Uh, shout out to Tyron Smith, who threw two incredible blocks on the game-winning touchdown pass uh, from Romo to Dez. That's the kind of thing. Like that's that Jake Elliott moment. Like you will, like I said, you'll remember forever. Like everything about that. This is one of those that I will remember absolutely everything about. And a lot of that is because of the Odell thing. Like it's become like more protected in my memory because of all the Odellness. Uh, I'm with you though. The Odell thing. I did. I did want to add. It, there was a point where at least Cowboys fans were were of the mindset like, oh, this dude, all he did was make that one catch. And it was like, no, no, no. He's an amazing wide receiver. But mm-hmm. it's it's just being overshadowed by the, like, you know, trick of it all. Like, let's just focus on how incredible he is and not these, you know, incredible catches, however incredible they are, because they don't mean anything. Uh, but still, you know, shout out to Brandon Carr, who was on the, uh, I guess, not receiving end, but the brunt end of the Odo Beckham Jr. catch. So while you're talking there, a couple of questions that came to mind. Like, what is the NFC East matchup to you where you like, let's say, you know, it, it's not at a point where let's say it's like week one. So it's not at a point where like, you know, one team is clearly better than the other team and you need the you'd be ideally rooting for the worst team, the lesser of the two evils, because you need, you know, that top team to lose. Let's say like they're both on even ground. Like, what is the NFC matchup for you? Because I think a lot of fans here, Eagles fans would say like, Giants-Cowboys is like their most hated possible matchup of two teams. And it's almost like, who do we root for? And on this point, I hate when everyone says a tie. No, don't no, You're not no, rooting. For, you're never rooting for the tie. First of all, that's just such a stupid thing to be rooting for. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. It's so mm-hmm. statistically unlikely. It's dumb. And also, no, you want one team to be hurt worse. You want to take one of those two teams and decide this loss will hurt that team more. So I hate the tie thing. I hate when people say it so much. It's it's so stupid to me. Um, but yeah, to, what's your answer to that question? Like, who are the two teams in the NFC East that like you hate the most, and like you have the toughest time deciding like who you want to lose? Probably Philly, Washington. Uh, okay, that's that's tough, and it's just gross. I don't even like the uniform combination. Like, I don't like watching it at either stadium. It's just a gross experience overall for me, and I really am torn. Um, like the Giants are so. The Giants are like, I don't know. The Giants are like somebody who I don't like, but I really don't like. I'm, I'm not like emotionally attached to or anything. You know what I mean? And so like whenever they come in and win a game or beat the Cowboys, it's like fine. You know, this this will this will even out at some point, like whether the Cowboys beat them or they'll lose. Like that's just kind of how it's always been. 
you know, Washington's like an annoying little brother. You know what I mean? Like just like mm. poking us in the eye and like, you know, doing the like, I'm not touching you game. And so like that gets really annoying. Philly is, you know, at times a legitimate equal. And so like that's where that, you know, sort of foil comes from. So it's definitely Philly, Washington, generally pulling for Washington. Um, yeah. What's your answer? Yeah, that's interesting how you phrase that. Because I think it's the same kind of logic, except it's the Giants instead of Washington. Like Washington, to me, especially because of how irrelevant they've generally been in my lifetime, they don't really feel like a true rival. Like in the moment, in the heat of the battle, obviously, yeah. But like, they're obviously like the least hateable division rival to me, just because the Giants are closer. Mm, That explains your newfound love for them, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) That is definitely not true. Um, uh, Growing up, too. And like where I did kind of Central Jersey's area, um, which some people say doesn't exist, but uh, it, was, it was a mix kind of too. I knew Giants fans. Like I knew, I've always known more Giants fans too than I knew Washington fans, mm. which also made it you know a, a, a different level. It was like a personal thing, and it was kind of like a uh, like you said though a brother rivalry though. Like I kind of had respect for Giants fans more than I did Cowboys fans, for example. Especially again being from where I was, because all these Cowboys fans were obviously just like bandwagon front runners, where the Giants fans like they're from an area where giant fans would be. So like, I could respect like their fandom. I understand why they were giant fans. Um, yeah. So kind of the tangent we went on there, but I don't know. Thought but it was funny. One more tiny tangent. It is. I've always found that interesting. Um, the like geographical relationship within the NFC East, because like if you grew up anywhere in Texas, odds are outside of like, you know, randomness you know which happens in life you didn't really know many giants or eagles or washington fans but that is certainly not the case in your neck of the woods like i'm sure you also knew a lot of washington fans just because people are not not really well still the the odds are likelier at least you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it like i think that that sort of geographical rivalry like it it enhances the division rivalry for those three teams which is really cool like that's where like the texans have been like this like whatever little thing for the cowboys in in recent history but even then it's just like it's such a one-sided thing um that was a good question blg good job by you look at that freestyling thanks uh i would say like uh so someone like john solness you know obviously on bgn radio and who you've talked to before rj like he kind of from like a Virginia area. So hit for him, it might be, you know, Washington because he lives in that kind of area. So I definitely get uh, the point on that. Um, but, speaking of Washington, how yeah, about your favorite, move to them. Yeah, your favorite Eagles win over Washington. This one's the one I was most fascinated to hear, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, it's not like, I don't think it's a no-brainer. I don't think you, there isn't like, like you had to pick this Giants game. Like you, you couldn't, if you picked any other Giants game, you'd be wrong. Like that was the answer. Um, this one, I think there's some more room for debate, I will get into the honorable mentions, I guess, first to build up the reveal. Uh, some people will probably say it's Chip Kelly's first game in 2013, week one, because that was like mm. this big, like, oh my gosh, like we've never seen this before. Like this offensive revolution, the Eagles came out at this really fast pace and they were like, like that was Monday broadca- Night Football too, right? It was Monday Night Football. Yeah. The broadcast like couldn't keep up. Like they're trying right. to show replay, but they couldn't. Like they didn't know how to handle Chip Kelly because like they just kept running the next play. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, Michael Vake was there that was fun um also uh i would put ending the eagles or the eagles ending their five game losing streak to washington when they had that uh win over them in week one of 2017 and uh, steven means and kamu grujay hill dumped a uh, gatorade cooler on doug peterson like the game itself i guess wasn't like it, it couldn't be the number one but that was a that was a kind of a significant moment i was like all right we finally got the monkey off our back we beat washington this feels good uh and I, personally i always like starting the season like week one with a division rival because it's like it just sets a good tone if you win that game and also really devastating if you don't so i kind of like the high stakes of that but i ultimately went with week seven 
in 2017, the Eagles Super Bowl season. What a surprise. I picked another game from that season where they won by a score of 34 to 24. I wasn't there at the link uh, in person for this game, RJ. And I think this is like Carson Wentz's signature performance. Like he was incredible that night. He had a deep bomb touchdown to Mac Hollins. He had that crazy touchdown throw, which I think is arguably his best. You could argue it's the Miles Sanders one he had in Washington, but this one was in Philly. And he was like getting crunched by multiple defenders. And I don't even know how he makes this throw, but somehow he throws it up there and Corey Clement makes a great leaping catch in the corner, uh, front right corner of the end zone. Like it was incredible that he made that catch. And that was also the game where he escaped from that pile of bodies to like run for a first down. And the broadcast thought he got sacked for a second. Wasn't this also Monday Night Football? Because I remember that vividly now. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yes, I believe it was. Um, yeah. So funny. Washington, Eagles, Washington, something about that on Monday Night Football. Yeah, there was just like that really crystallized too. that like the Carson Wentz like is the MVP at that point in the season. Like, like he's doing things that are like incredible that are like breathtaking. Like, I remember being there and seeing that Corey Clement touchdown. And I was like, this is like the most amazing sports thing I've ever seen in person. Like it was incredible. So uh, obviously hasn't aged well since then. The Carson <laughs> Wentz era, but very much gone now. But at the time, like that was I was so excited. Hmm. This is interesting. This is like, yeah, like a frozen moment in time. Um, not as emotionally jarring as the Giants win a few weeks earlier, but I get this, like, because so much of the identity of that season was Carson Wentz, which again is so funny looking back. Um, and and this like cementing his place because at that point, look like thinking back, there was no real contender. Like, and I remember watching that game, be like, crap, you know, just like this, this sucks. Like the our worst nightmare is really coming to fruition here. Carson Wentz is this great player, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the fact that it was Washington was like kind of meaningless. It was just this hor- like, that's, that's the, the crunch play is what I remember. That's why I, I, I cause I, I remember that being on Monday night football because like you remember those plays forever, even when they don't involve your team. I remember thinking like, man, this dude, the, the like stupid stuff is working for him. And those are the truly special players. Um, so another excellent choice by you. Look at that. But you're right. Did not age well. That's why, like, he was the MVP, though, and I wrote about at the time. It's not just like he's posting; like, anyone in theory can post like really good stats. Like, mm-hmm. like what separates him from other players posting really good stats? Like, he's doing like incredible things that no one else is doing. Like, this is amazing. So, I would, I would add the aesthetic element to it, and I would say meaningful too because it was like you know I, I talked about the Eagles already got their monkey off the back with that win in Week One, but this like to beat Washington then twice was like, okay, not only did we like end the streak, but now we're building the streak and that felt right. good. And, and for Kirk cousins, who, again, I was never, I've never been a fan of very uh, not secret opinion of mine. It just like, it was so confounding because like I knew he wasn't good, but like the Eagles couldn't beat him. So that was always frustrating. So to beat him again was really nice. Um, That's look, I don't know. Kirk is fine. Like there's no need to take side shots at Kirk here. I do want to say in BLG's defense for anyone listening that in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, number one, shame on you. But number two, we did stipulate that these games have to have come over the last decade, uh, which is why BLG, I assume you did not pick the 2010 game uh, between Philly and Washington, which incidentally, I believe also was on Monday Night Football when Michael Vick went off. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Alzheimer's, that's in play. If we're talking about Alzheimer's, obviously, Miracle at the Meadowlands, number two, as it's called, kind of incorrectly, with Deshaun Jackson, you know, against the Giants, some some very obvious picks in those right. regards, but but not in our qualifier of the last 10 seasons, which goes back to the 2011 
season. What's your pick, RJ? Well, I'm going to say my pick, BLG, but you know, we have to keep the lights on. So, you know, wow. I know you, what you don't tease. mind. Yeah. You don't mind working in the dark, crawling in the dark, like Hoopa Stank said once. Uh, so nobody go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Uh, BLG, what's your favorite Hoobastank song? Uh, I can't name one off the top of my head. I like, yes, I you can. You totally can. You're like, I can't. I have to look at the, like, I, I totally can't. What's yours while I stall and try to. I mean, to craw- Crawling out. in the Dark is really good. I remember there was this great game for PS2 called Aggressive Inline. Uh, and mm. it was kind of like Tony Hawk, but you were, it was like rollerblading. And, um, and it was on the soundtrack for that game. Crawling. Everybody remembers the reason, though. That's why I was saying that's I was impossible. Say. Yeah. There's no way you can't name that song. Uh, I, I knew it. I just couldn't think it off the top of my head. Definitely. I, th- I think it has to be the reason. I, I can't tell you I've listened to Hoobastank very recently. So maybe I'm forgetting something. But <laughs> the reason lie. was very iconic. No, it's uh, totally true. Anyway, uh, some people say that Hoobastank is the Washington football team of uh, 2000s emo pop bands, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, so my answer for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, like most epic win over the Washington football team over the last decade, I have two honorable mentions, uh, BLG. Number one, uh, my serious honorable mention that's about the Cowboys was Dak Prescott's first win and Zeke Elliott's first one, I suppose, too. In 2016, the Cowboys had lost the week before uh, in week one against the New York Giants, who they got swept by that season. They went to Washington. Zeke Elliott fumbled, which was very terrifying as a Cowboys fan because you were thinking, like, man, we just took him with fourth overall pick. This is not going to work out. Dak Prescott was the guy that kind of led the team to victory and allowed you because you know how that is. They tell you all the data about teams that start off 0-2 and, and how rarely they make the playoffs. And so the Cowboys were flirting with that line. Obviously, uh, won the game, wound up 1-1, one and one, and we ended up winning 13 games on the season. Very cool moment. Uh, shout out to Josh Norman, who had a great peanut punch moment on Zeke in this game. Mm. Uh, just great defensive play. My second honorable mention is about me. Uh, a year later, in late October, October 29th to be specific, this tweet actually came to us from Charles Morris, who mentioned this game. The Cowboys did win. 33 to 19 on the road in Washington in a rating game. But I upset a number of people because Byron Jones, who at that point, I think only had one career interception, um, intercepted a kind of a lame duck pass. Ultimately, shout out to your boy, Kirk Cousins, um, and returned it for a touchdown in the final seconds of the game. But remember, BLG, the final score here, 33 to 19. And if Byron Jones takes a knee, just goes down, the Cowboys can just take a knee and win this game. And I got so upset that he returned it for a touchdown because, again, there was like 20 seconds left. But still, the idea is you want the path of least resistance towards victory. And Byron Jones compromised that. And people got so mad at me for saying that. And I stand by that even four years later. I would say if it's like a really big game, you know, like the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game, then sometimes you just have to go for the exclamation point and like really rub it in. Or like, you know, uh, an especially big division rival game, not just a run of the mill one. But in general, I hate to say that I agree with you because it's not fun. But in theory, like someone could get hurt. Like you're, what if your yeah, kicker gets hurt? Anything kicking could off happen. the ball. Totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I and look, we've seen, we've very much seen the Eagles, you know, do this against the Cowboys. We saw it in Brian Westbrook and then Miles Sanders in 2019 mm-hmm. when he has a chance to pretty much cap things off with a touchdown, and the whole team was like, no, no, get down, get down. And uh, yeah, so um shout out to me basically and shout out to todd Gurley, who also did it and was treated like the first person that's what anytime that happens that the person i've grabbed with this before gets treated like the first person to ever think of this idea when anybody who's played madden for 10 years knows that it's a smart thing to do but whatever uh my actual answer i went all the way back to the beginning of the allotted time period 2011 for the dallas cowboys Mm. week week three um tony romo fresh off of heroic points uh heroic performance words are hard uh on the road in san francisco winning the game in overtime against jim harbaugh's 49ers tony romo with massive amounts of protection plays with a punctured lung and all that jazz against the washington football team an incredibly close game that the cowboys wind up winning 18 to 16 there actually aren't that many like momentous victories for the Cowboys against Washington. There are a lot of wins, but they're all kind of like, you know, ho-hum, you know, this is what's supposed to happen type thing. This was epic to watch Tony Romo gut it out. And this was one of the very first times, at least in my mind, that Romo got tons of national love mm. for for playing through that for being regarded as this warrior it was just a really great celebration of the guy that a lot of cowboys fans myself included were backing at the time granted there were a lot of cowboys fans who didn't appreciate him until it was too late isn't that kind of funny how we both picked for different uh ends of the spectrum uh, week mm-hmm. three games in 2011 like where, what are the chances of that <laughs> um I'm looking at uh, – wait, no, this is the wrong box score. Never mind. Um, I, I really do not recall this game at all. It's 10 years ago now. This was, by the way, also Monday Night Football. Uh, okay. So, so big big uh, Monday Night Football day here on uh, the NFC's mixtape. Hmm. I guess it's almost – hey, RJ, it's almost like there's a reason why the NFC East teams make some of these primetime – not that they shouldn't be on every primetime game, right. and they shouldn't be on in Week 17 when the Eagles have nothing to play for. And – like they were last year, uh, that shouldn't happen. But like this idea, I mean, obviously people here who are listening to this podcast won't disagree with this, but like the national perception that like, oh, there's too much NFC East on. And there has been in recent years because the division is bad. But generally, like long, big picture here, uh, it's worth it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I don't have anything interesting to say about this game just because, again, so it's 10 years ago. I can't remember this at all. But you um, remember the Romo stuff, obviously, right? I don't really. Wow. It's forever ago, RJ. I can't remember what happened yesterday. That's not true. I have a good memory. But, like, I don't know. This specifically, what else stood out about this? So, is is Romo... So, I mentioned they won 18 to 16. And so, because he had a punctured long... Weird score. Well, yeah. I don't know if it was a scoregami. I can't imagine. Definitely weird, but not not supremely uncommon. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... I mentioned Romo was hurt. So while super impressive that he played, uh, by the way, he would later go on to be hurt against Washington on Monday Night Football in the same building, AT&T Stadium, three years later. So lots of funny you know, Monday Night Football in this year. But uh, anyway, no offensive points for the Cowboys in this game. Again, their quarterback wow. had a punctured lung. Uh, so then rookie Dan Bailey, then undrafted free agent rookie Dan Bailey, who, again, won the game the week before in San Francisco uh, because Jesse Holly celebrated too early. Uh, but Dan Bailey, a perfect six for six. That is super rare, I think. Like anytime I think about that, I think about um, Adam Vinatieri's uh, divisional playoff performance for the Colts against the Ravens in 2006. I think they won that game like 15 to 12. I think it was like all field goals. Uh, Peyton Manning against Steve McNair. And 
again, six for six. Like, what an incredible Dan Bailey moment for, again, a rookie undrafted free agent kicker. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think an interesting way to think about this activity, too, is as I'm thinking about it now, is like the opposite side. Like, I'm, I'm guessing your pick, and it doesn't, this is fine, it doesn't have to be, because this is about the best wins. The best win for one of us doesn't necessarily have to be the worst loss for the other team. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't always necessarily work that way. It could. Uh, like, I'm guessing Washington fans wouldn't pick this as their worst loss to the Cowboys, but I almost, you know, I'm trying to think like what they would. I mean, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. Obviously, I would say, you know, if we're expanding the window, something like the Monday Night Massacre with Washington Hillies getting embarrassed and Albert Hainsworth laying on the ground and Michael Vick dropping like 59 or whatever points uh, on the Washington football team, something like that would be. But I think that's a kind of an interesting thing. Maybe we'll have to follow up with uh, Ed Valentine and uh, Brian Stabby to get their I takes. Thought- I thought about a different twist on this whole exercise. Like, what is the worst win um, that you've mm. had over a division rival? And there is one that you can look back on in a certain way uh, if you're a Cowboys fan. Four years later, again, also on Monday Night Football, um, the Dallas Cowboys went to Washington and the Matt Castle-led Cowboys beat the Kirk Cousins-led Washington football team, who would go on to win the NFC East, to be fair. Uh, shout out to Dan Bailey, who had a game-winning field goal kick in that game. And that was the Cowboys' last win of the season. It was the only win they got without Tony Romo that season. They went 1-11 and without him. Uh, but that win obviously you know, moved them up to 4-12, and um, which prohibited them from ultimately having a higher pick than 4 overall if they had. Like you can play that what if game forever for I know we've done what ifs a lot, but like is Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey like or is Joey Bosa not Jalen Ramsey a cowboy as opposed to Zeke Elliott? Like what is the resulting timeline of the Cowboys look like if that's the case? Uh but they just had there were a lot of Cowboys fans at that point that wanted to tank, obviously wanted a higher pick. At the time, a lot of people wanted another quarterback because they thought Romo was fragile. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were in consideration. So um, you know, that's one of the worst wins, at least that I can recall. If we're talking about worst wins, I think what pops into mind for me would be the 2015 finale. Um, Chip Kelly wasn't even the coach for that game. He'd been fired already. It was Pat Shermer, his interim head coach for the Eagles. And they Against went the Giants, all out. right? Yeah, they went all out to beat the Giants. And they kind of did it this same thing the year before. I think Coughlin was still, I think it might have been Coughlin's last game as head coach, I guess, at that point. Um, uh, in any case, uh, it, it was just like they went all out to beat the Giants really in back-to-back seasons in week 17, and it frustrated me. So it worsened their draft positioning each time. Now, I don't know if that would have changed a ton in hindsight looking back at some of those, but like I just hate that. I hate I hate the idea that like you can't sometimes lose to benefit in the long term. Like I, I hate that idea so much. It's kind of like um, – like, well, obviously like really people hated what Doug Peterson did a few months ago. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. Like that. And I clearly, well, I mean, we don't know how, you know, we don't have the results, but the process seemed to be pretty decent. If you look at the trade, you know, the trade back that the Eagles were able to do and then get Devontae Smith. So like, yeah, I just, I, I hate, and as obviously a big, you know, Sam Hickey uh, process defender too. Mm. Like the idea that sometimes you got to tear it down to build it back up. It shouldn't be so radical. I bet you Sam Hinkie believes in build, uh, making his bet first thing in the morning. So, you know, you're, how much of a disciple are you really if you don't believe in that too? He also listens to podcasts at like three speed, like three times speed. Oh, uh, dude, I, I can't do that. Like, do you even do – I can't even do one and a half speed. I do one and a half. And uh, not on everyone sometimes. I feel like God bless the people, RJ, who listen to anything I podcast to. And, and I'm sorry if you're listening to me on 1.5 because yeah. I talk way too fast. Um but I try to do 1.5. There's too many podcasts to get to to not do 1.5 for me, especially in season, like during football season. I have to like there's I can't get to the podcast by Sunday if I'm not doing 1.5.
That's a fair point. Um, okay, fine. Uh, last one. We've been saving the best for last. Uh, Philadelphia's most epic win over the Dallas Cowboys over the last 10 years, BLG. If I, and it, I know it's not 2017 since you said that last week. Yeah. Um, I will include that, obviously, in honorable mentions because anytime the Eagles blow out the Cowboys, it's really good. If we're going all time, which we're not, but I would say 40, 40 46. 46. Yeah, we all obviously. Know. Yeah, um, I just had to bring it up. Um, <laughs> so I wonder, uh, I, I, 2019, the wind was nice. You know, it's kind of like one of those get the monkey off our back schemes um, when the Cowboys came to Philly, but obviously not the pick. So it's really between two here. And I wonder if you can guess which one it is. Um, so, okay. So if it's between two mm-hmm. over the course of the last 10 years, um, 2012 was... The, the game in Dallas was a blowout. That was, um, I believe that was Nick Foles. We, thought, we talked about that before. Um, I, I, I can't imagine you would include Thanksgiving 2014. Maybe you would. I, I know you said that there was like a glass ceiling on, on the Eagles at that point, but maybe it was like really satisfactory, especially like somebody who hates the Cowboys getting that home field advantage or whatever, like them winning. Um, and then because you're sadistic, um, you know, maybe 2015 – when Sam Bradford found, I don't even remember Jordan Matthews. Was it Jordan? Yeah, I guess Jordan Matthews uh, in overtime. Also a Matt Castle led Cowboys game. So maybe I'm going to say between one of those two. Uh, that was fun in the moment, but like very much not doesn't hold up. I mean, Sam Bradford, Jordan Matthews. Like, who are we talking about there? It, it was very fun for in that specific moment. Yes, but um, I was considering picking the Brandon Boykin interception in 2013, which you didn't have in your final two in week mm-hmm. 17. Because uh, he was one of the NFCs there. But that was like, that's like that goes back to your point. Like that was not a painful loss for Cowboys fans because like we knew it was Kyle Lorden. So like I, if I was you, that would be hard for me to pick. So I couldn't pick that one. Uh-huh. So I had to go with the Eagles win by 33 to 10 over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I mean, you can look, you can use the excuse the Cowboys are on short rest. It was Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez blew out Tony Romo on Thanksgiving for everyone to see. You had Sean McCoy throwing up the X in the end zone after scoring touchdowns, mocking Dez. That game was great. And honestly, I just think, like, the Eagles kicked the Cowboys' butt in that game. Like, the Cowboys came in that game, that season. Everyone's talking about how great their offensive – it's the best offensive line in NFL history. That was, like, literally, like, there has to be an article on blogging mm. the boys about that. Or, some, or some, someone, like – Maybe I'm thinking of like Leo Collins when he said that yeah, so like a year that, later. That yeah, he was it was twenty he was his draft was twenty fifteen. So you okay. but that was Zach Martin's rookie year. And to your point, like it the the Zach Martin was like the penultimate infinity stone. You know what I mean? Like it was clear yeah. that the Cowboys were on that path, but the take wasn't quite there yet. But but that was like the sentiment. There's this big sentiment. The Cowboys off of the line, so good. It's like so this is right. Like and DeMarco was thing. on fire. Yeah, totally. DeMarco's on, and the Cow- Eagles defensive line was kind of underrated. They kicked the Cowboys butt. Like they, they had four sacks. DeMarco Murray was held to his second lowest rushing total of that huge 18, 45 yard season. Uh, I remember Benny Logan after the game, underrated Eagle looking back, uh, saying like they were the nobodies because like he and he Benny Logan, by the way, is like a mild mannered guy, not a trash talker, but like he was kind of mad because like, you know, the Cowboys were getting all this respect and the Eagles like shut him down. Like, or, Kind of weird to say they shut down the Cowboys offensive line, but they did. They dominated them. And looking back on it, I know that game, you're going to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Because then the Cowboys came to Philly and beat the Eagles. And sure, that hurt. That did very much hurt at the time. But I remember being in the moment on Thanksgiving. My grandmother came over. We had a uh, nice family Thanksgiving. And I this was like the second year I was working at BGN, full season. 
2014 season. So I was kind of stressed out between like balancing Thanksgiving and then like trying to cover the game. But I, I just remember being it's so excited. It's a hard excited. life, isn't it, BLG? Yeah. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the grind. Yeah. Well, look, all the more reason <laughs> not to have the Cowboys on Thanksgiving every year. Um, so I, I I remember just being so happy after that game. And looking back on it, that loss did ultimately prevent the Cowboys from getting the number one seed that year, which could have changed things in a big way for them. Obviously, not having to play in Green Bay. Uh, things could have been a lot different. Maybe that was the year the Cowboys were actually like, – that was their last real chance, right, with Romo, at least, especially in the Romo era, to like win the Super Bowl or get to the NFC Championship game. And though the Eagles didn't win the division that year, they kind of did hamper the Cowboys' chances. So I like it. So I – in no way think it the only thing where i like disagree with you is it, it really did not impact the cowboys for, i know that like numerically it does look like it but from getting the number one seed um uh, that just was not going to happen they were the four i know every team every division winner had 12 wins but they were they were the fourth seed of that group and like yeah i mean if you want to give them that one win it obviously like moves those goalposts a little bit but uh but other than that i mean everything you said is really accurate that was really painful um and especially there was like, no sorry to jump in but like there was no like there's no controversial call here like the, right. the eagles are just the better team like they just, they just came in and they kicked the crap out of the cowboys and there was like there was nothing to be like oh there was a bad call you know like there was no controversy it was just like like that's a like a t- it's a take your medicine kind of loss i would i would phrase it differently uh from like when you're on the losing end it's a like doubt starts to creep in type of loss because you yeah. start you start to wonder like Okay, is this for real? Like, is are are we just pulling off like parlor tricks? Like, is is Demarco really that great? Is the offensive line really that great? Is Tony Romo really that great? Like, is he still injured? Like, you're starting to ask all these questions, and like, and maybe this like makes it more satisfying for you. Uh, but and well, actually, this wasn't the case for the Cowboys. But normally, in a situation like this, the team has to wait even longer to play their next game because the Cowboys did play seven days later on Thursday night football. Um, but like, that's you know, doing it on a big stage and kind of humbling somebody is a really satisfying feeling. And especially because I don't know if you know this or not, this halftime is a little bit longer than most halftimes. It's, it's akin to the Super Bowl because of the performer the Cowboys have. And the same thing is true for Detroit earlier in the day. Uh, but I believe Pitbull was the performer for this particular halftime show. I don't know if that makes the memory better for you or worse. Um, I, we've, we have learned that you're not really an avid Hoopastank listener. Maybe you're maybe you're a fan of Mr. Worldwide. I don't know. Uh, but uh, this this sucked. And I this I've mentioned jerseys a lot. I really hated that the Cowboys lost to the Eagles wearing white while wearing navy at home. It was so gross. It just everything mm. about it felt awkward, and I did not like it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's unusual. That's rare. Why did that happen? That's weird. So this was early into the new or now old helmet rule where the Cowboys uh, could not wear an alternate helmet. Uh, so they could not wear their throwback uniforms on Thanksgiving. Uh, so th- this year and the year before uh, in 2013, they wore their Navy jerseys on Thanksgiving just to differentiate it. Like it is a different you know kind of day and stuff. Uh, and then the next year, 2015, was when they started wearing Color Rush because that was the year it came out. And then they kind of mixed it up. Uh, but thankfully, next year, they should be wearing their throwback uniforms on Thanksgiving once more. Uh, yeah, this sucked. Uh, losing to the Eagles at any point sucks. But it, it was a very nice uh, thing to. And like the other thing, and this worked out, but this type of loss sucks because then you're dreading the next matchup two weeks later you're like oh man this team just beat the crap out of us like they're going to do it again the division's going to get away from us etc but thankfully that didn't happen 
which I know makes you mad. That's one of my honorable mentions. It didn't make the, or I didn't choose it. Uh, the 2014 win, the Nolan Carroll game uh, for mm-hmm. the Cowboys, Des Bryant going off. That was such a great night. That was super awesome. The Cowboys effectively won the NFC East that day. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. Um, the 2018 overtime game was also an honorable mention for me. Uh, I did not pick it, but because I, I would feel dirty picking it because of the way the final touchdown happened. I believe the Cowboys played really well, but I mean, that's just, it's a hard kind of pill to swallow. I can't pick this, but the the most recent Cowboys-Eagles game was really satisfying uh, when the Cowboys just blew the doors off of the Jalen Hurts slip because that was like, yeah. this Eagles team sucks. I mean, like, that was a really nice feeling. Uh, we already uh, knew that, but yeah. <laughs> um, and similarly, um, October 20th of 2019, the, the first Cowboys-Eagles game of 2019, when the, uh, the Cowboys, I had, uh, we've all heard Bear bark today. My wife and I had gotten Bear the day before. Um, that was actually October 20th was my birthday and we got him for my birthday that year. And so that was like, and my parents came to our house. Like it was a really special moment for me individually. So that one holds a special place in my heart, but my answer BLG, um, I didn't partly choose it cause I knew it would upset you. Uh, but it certainly didn't hurt the 2016 overtime winner. Dak owns the mm. Eagles. Dak owns Wentz. <laughs> uh, you mentioned being at, at games, like obviously that we've been at several of these games, but I was at this game in the stands with my dad. And it was just like, I vividly remember like going crazy afterwards. Uh, we were just, uh, my family and I just at the Astros Yankees game on Sunday that Altuve walked off. And there's nothing like that. Like when there's a walk off, like this had the the Dak to Witten touchdown where the like stadium erupts. Uh, it was incredible. And it, it really did give you, and this is proven to be true, this vibe that the Cowboys like pulled one off, that they still got yeah. the better quarterback, even though they didn't have to trade everything that the Eagles did to get theirs. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being the one for you guys. Absolutely. That was a very painful game to lose. Uh, very frustrating. I think I said it last week where, like, I felt like the Eagles played, like, the better team. And, like, they just des- they deserve the – like, again, I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel like, the- oh, the Eagles deserve to win that game. Like, the Eagles, in my mind, deserve to win this game. And it was unfortunate that they didn't. Leonis McKelvin drops – a could have been a pick six but at least was going to be a pick for sure that people don't talk about um it is a game where the cowboys won the coin toss in overtime very fortunate again obviously happened in 2018 so some muck involved um but yeah obviously it did hurt it did legitimatize legitimate legitimize legitimize one of those (laughs) legitimatizing um it made more legit that the you know this there was an idea that like I remember a lot of people at the time were saying like on sports radio and stuff like oh the Eagles should have just taken Zeke at four and then Dak you know went later but like obviously like that's not a real thing like you can't or well mm-hmm. and obviously the Eagles weren't going to they weren't picking at four they're picking they had to trade up so they would have to trade up to two take a running back which would have been dumb obviously yeah so remember, imagine like, an I mean, NFC team taking a running back at two that would be well, stupid. That would be really <laughs> dumb, but like trading up would be even worse to do it. Right. Like mortgaging future draft picks would be, you know, putting uh, a, a cherry on a not so good Sunday. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that definitely hurt. This is a good pick by you in the regards of like how much it hurt the cap. Like, but it's just so funny though. Like, I'm looking at the box score of that game right now. Dak had a 79.8 passer rating in that game. Yeah, he owns the Eagles. Wow, what an amazing performance. But, he but didn't even play that well. But that's why, because like you know as well as I do, that that's not within our control, right? Like that that becomes the narrative when stuff like this happens, which is what makes it all the more great, 
right? Like nobody remembers that like five years later now. Mm. It, it, but it, it gave birth to the narrative that Dak was better. It's part of the reason that a year and a half ago, Michael Kiss wrote a Bleeding Green Nation that Dak Prescott was the best quarterback in the NFC. It's like it was the beginning of that overall idea that partly led to the demise of Carson Wentz within the Eagles organization. So, I mean, like it's epic in that sense. However, w- winning isn't always right, wrong or fair or right or fair. It's sometimes it's weird. And this was a weird win that really was very satisfying. Yeah, definitely a weird win. Carson Wentz actually had a better passer rating in that game. Also, Ezekiel Elliott was held under 100 yards in that game. Like, it's just weird, like that the Eagles didn't win this game because you could you just argue like it doesn't it doesn't it's not like the Eagles totally sucked or you know they they missed these huge opportunities. I guess there was that one. Uh, it was like a fourth down or something, or they got set. I remember like they had this really dumb run at one point where like or a pass to Darren Sproul as a screen pass where like they got set back and basically like knocked themselves out of field goal range at the very least. And that hurt a lot. Um, yeah, that, that one hurt. I, um, one of my favorite tweets of all time came as a result of this game. Uh, shout out to John Michaud who covers the Cowboys for the athletic. He tweeted, uh, kind of a zoomed in photo of Witten catching the game winner. And he was like, here's Jason Witten, uh, warming up. And he was like, Oh wait, never mind. This is Jason Witten catching the game winning touchdown yeah. against. He was Eagles. so was, wide open. I know. So, so wide open. <laughs> how does somebody I watching that, that live? That's yeah. How many, how does somebody that slow get that wide open? Uh, this was also great. And I think you should agree with this. Because it kind of killed the Wensylvania punt. That was really not a good thing. Um, so you're welcome for that. Because it was that time of year. This was October 30th. So, you know, it, if if the Eagles had won, Wensylvania would have been a thing forever. But it went away, you know, very swiftly. And, again, you can thank the Cowboys for that. The fact it was a – what was this? It was a – when was, was this game? It was Sunday night football. Sunday night. I, I remember it was at night. So the point I was going to make is, like, it's at night – Probably Sunday night's even worse, maybe than a Monday night, because like you're 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 just watching football all day, like leading up to this moment, and you're so excited, and the game had a lot of juice between being Dak and you know Carson's and, first matchup together. It's like this this big stakes thing, and the Cowboys were like what? Um, they were five and one heading into this game. The Eagles were four and two. You know, so the NFC East lead is kind of in the balance here, not officially, but kind of, and you know, this was a high stakes game. Probably one of the most juice that like one of the most anticipated Eagles Cowboys matchups, just like agnostic, like just or just not no, not even not agnostic, like a really big scenario. And uh yeah, the Eagles drop it. And again, the night factor always makes it that much tougher because like you can't even sleep after that. Like you can't just you can't just go to bed. I mean, people have to. Uh I guess, you know, if you have to get up the next morning. But as someone who like covers the team, I obviously night. I can't just go to bed, even though I just want to at that point. Like I'm just staying up. I'm just scrolling through Twitter. Everyone's like melting down. Oh, whatever. Did we get the right quarterback? It's kind of like what you said. It's like one of those losses that makes you question. I remember Doug Peterson was really getting questioned after this game. It's like, is he like he stinks? Blah, 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 whatever. Even though the Eagles had just gotten off to like a three and zero start like a couple weeks before. So, yeah, good, really good pick by you. Um, I also think I could be wrong, um, but this was like a round. And this just kind of added to the the fog because you're right. Like there, like there's nothing worse than like the Cowboys who's on Thursday Night Football and it's like 11 o'clock and I got to do all this crap and you're just like so pissed about it. But I believe so. Like again, within the the like phase or haze or whatever, I believe this was the weekend that the time changed. So you're just like you're you have no <laughs> idea like what is what is like anything and it's just it's all a, a bunch of misery. And I'm very happy that you were uh, at the center of it, amigo. 
So that would be getting an extra hour because it's the fall, right? Yeah, but still, like you're you're you go to the kitchen like this has happened to me before. Um, like you go to the kitchen where you're grinding, you're getting an article up, whatever, blah blah, and you look at the like oven or the you know microwave. You're like, is that the time? You know, because you didn't change the clocks, and you're like, oh no, it's not the time. And you're just like, you're broken mentally. That's what that's where no. you were, and I'm happy that Dak Briscoe did that to you. No, I get the disoriented point, but I'm saying I'm actually saying something in your favor, the or a point in the favor of your argument, and like there's an extra hour, like you oh, have to yeah. deal with the pain for literally an extra hour that doesn't normally exist. Like there's an extra hour into this into your day. So uh, I mean, obviously most people might be sleeping by that point, but not me. I remember that loss very vividly uh, about how that hurt a lot, and and then I always get annoyed, obviously, when I felt like the narrative didn't match the reality, and that's when, mm-hmm. like, when the, why I said like the Eagles deserved to win that game, or like I remember seeing after Twitter, like in that game, like oh Dak is clutch, and then Wentz isn't, and it's like this is a couple, like maybe that's true, okay, but that's it's like six or five or whatever seven games into their seasons, like into their careers, not even just their seasons at this point. So I remember being frustrated. Mm, good times, uh, very good times. Well, this was surprisingly. You know, who would have thought that talking about wins would be more fun than uh, than losses? But surprisingly, more fun than last week's. I thought it was. I saw a lot of people in the comments last week on Bleeding Green Nation of the article I posted about the NFC mixtape. Were like, <laughs> I'm not reading this article. Like, there's no yeah. zero chance. I'm I, like, I get by. I got a lot of why. Like, why, why yeah. are you doing this? Um, which, hey, but to your point, we started with the bad, we powered through, and now look, we're all happy. We're all here celebrating. This was fun. I mean, this was good to walk down memory lane. Um, I I thought it was really interesting how like we remembered each other's you know like the non-cowboys eagles ones like i mm-hmm. i know we didn't count it but i vividly remember the the monday night massacre with michael vick uh, that night and like we all have stories like this my cousin had michael vick going to fantasy and and needed like a god <laughs> yeah. level performance and he got in it. it was awesome also like the losses make the wins more fun like you it's not just like you know, it's not winning all the time, and it feels awesome. like the painful losses make the wins feel fun. As much as like we don't like to admit that, because you never want to lose, obviously, but it's the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out BLG to Survivor. We found out this week Survivor's coming back September twenty second. So we got a busy fall on our hands. You know, lots of uh, lots of you know elimination happening in different respects. Uh, so uh, yeah, that'll be cool. Any any final thoughts from you before we get out of here? I can't wait to watch Survivor again. September 22nd, I think, is the yeah. debut. And there's a former cowboy that's going to be on it. Did you know this? Mm. No. Who is it? Danny McRae. Okay. Yeah. You know, kind of a, a stud special teamer once upon a time. Uh, Al- Alan Ball was on it once upon a time. Jimmy Johnson. I don't see any former Eagles on Survivor. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but, I mean, I think the people with the Eagles connections typically do better. I mean, Wendell wow, Allen, shout out, winner. alert. Anybody who's ever wanted to watch an older season, BLG just ruined it for you. Wow. No, I mean, come on. It's It's been a couple of years at this point. He, uh, shout out, he, Wendell Harlan. He won. You want to talk about, like, narratives and stuff like that. Like, his win is kind of, I don't want to say fluky, but, like, it's very specific. And it gets, nobody remembers that in hindsight. And it's just he won Survivor. I don't know. I think it's argu- it's one of the greatest wins ever. I think because what? of like how how yeah because how close it came. It was literally the only tiebreaker vote. It, it, like it came down to the wire. It's the survivor it equivalent of what we saw in Sunday's Euros, where you have this like epic tournament and this mm-hmm. epic you know match that comes down to like the randomness of penalties. That's what that. Oh, was. randomness. No. Anyway, I'm not going to relitigate the whole thing here with you, <laughs> but I'm also going to point out that Jervis never nervous Jervis. Um, also a big Eagles fan and had the, and represented the Eagles, had that Philadelphia Eagles shirt, which was a good move by him. I guess like 
I always thought about that in hindsight. I guess he couldn't have the actual logo, right? I guess because of right. branding or whatever. But he had a shirt that just said Philadelphia Eagles on it. So I kind of like that workaround. That's dedication. That's respect for that. My last question, BLG, before we leave. If you were going on Survivor, what is the like? What is the clothing you would take to like like for strategy? Because I've thought about this before, and there's a right answer, mm. and you might not get it. Yeah, I, I can't do. That's like it is a really good question. I haven't thought about this probably as much as you have. Clearly, I mean, it can't be like <laughs> can't be wearing like jeans, right? Like so many people no. have had issues with jeans, so that can't be in play. But see, here's the thing, though: it's not always necessarily up to you. Like the you know the the, the production element like has an influence in there. But uh, what would you try to wear? Uh, I would wear a suit jacket and maybe mm. even maybe like a full suit because I could turn the suit pants into different things. But the jacket, like the blazer, would be a point of warmth. You know what I mean? Like at different times. Like the one, the person who made me think, I know he didn't win. Uh, remind me his name. If you remember, uh, he was the Kentucky lawyer. You know what I'm talking about? Nick Wilson. Nick Wilson. Yeah, he wore a blazer. And I thought, this guy's a genius because everybody else is cold. And Nick's got a blazer. And granted, it's not the most warm thing in the world, but it's warmer than nothing. And he outthought, he outwitted everybody else in that capacity. So two things. One thing, you just complained about me spoiling a season. We just spoiled an even more recent season I of just Survivor. spoiled the fact that he wore a blazer. That's all I did. I mean, you know. And number two, are you Michael Scott? Because <laughs> that's, that's what he does. <laughs> Have you seen The Office? Do you not know this episode? Yeah, he does it in the okay. the, the episode where he goes under the wild. But no, nope, literally I mean, does like, that. But that's a fictitious thing. Nick did it in real life on Survivor, so like he executed it. So I'm going to assign okay. the credit to Nick. This is the this is the Office like uh, Wayne Gretzky quote like version of that. Hmm. All right, shout out to Rob Sesternino, former Survivor player uh, mm. of Rob has a podcast, great Survivor podcast, not affiliated with us but uh just a good podcast you should listen to if you like survivor yeah and wanted to have speed or else blg will think it's weird uh everybody have yourselves a great week as always blg gets the last word rob sesternito was a former bgn radio guest